Hi, everyone. It's Ron Knight. And today, we really have a treat. Uh, considering writer's block, I guess people in the creative, they talk about, gee, I just can't get started or I'm just stuck. And as an award-winning writer who coaches authors, Kelly Hayes-Rate joins us. And uh, Kelly Hayes-Rate has heard every trick in the book for avoiding writing. So she said about researching just why as writers, we avoid writing, and she's uncovered some real great brain hacks. She wrote, Jumpstart My Book, Practical Tips for Harnessing Cutting-Edge Brain Science to Beat Your Writing Blocks and Uncover Your Creativity. And that book is available as an ebook on her website, which is www.jumpstartmybook.org. And you can look into her blog, which you'll be able to find just as a backspace blog. She's here today to discuss writing blocks in general, such as, well, we're going to get into all this with Kelly. How are you, Kelly? I'm good, Ron. I'm writing away. I'm loving this pandemic. I've been very prolific. (laughs) (laughs) And do you want to, where are you right now? Where are we in the world? I'm in London. I'm house sitting in London where I've been under lockdown since, uh, well, since the whole thing started in, in March. You know, I talked to a lot of people in the creative arts, and I don't care if they've been in all forms of media, the lockdown has affected everybody. And the one default thing that they tend to go to is they're saying, this doesn't bother me. I'm either uh, kind of a computer nerd, writing, authoring, designing my interactive book, my computer game, my video game, whatever, or as an author, writer, I think it's great. I'm just sitting and I'm writing. And they certainly have plenty, we all have plenty of time on our hands to write. And it sounds like at the end of the day, you are now somewhere else in the world where you got caught in the pandemic and you still are able to write, right? Yes. And I've been coaching authors with their books. It seems like everybody is using this time to pull their manuscripts out of the drawer and dust it off. And so I'm working with a number of clients on helping them move their books forward and helping with developmental editing. It's been so creative. I'm having a ball. That's a terrible thing to say when the world is under such difficulty, but it, you know, it's true. So given the fact that so many people are saying, great, I've got time on my hands. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to go ahead and finish my great American novel or call it whatever global literature. Can you talk a little bit about what are some of these writing blocks where somebody gets motivated, they sit down and they go, oh my God, that's it. I'm just, I'm in brain fart. You want to talk about like what the different blocks could be? Sure. One of the ones that I hear often and that I've really had to struggle with myself is imposter syndrome. The idea that I'm not a real writer. And, you know, how do you define a real writer? So one of my clients said that she's not a real writer and she was really poo-pooing everything she did. Well, this woman had actually completed three books and several short stories, one of which she had published. And so I don't know why she wasn't considering herself a real writer, but she suffered really deeply from imposter syndrome. And so I started looking at where these limiting beliefs come from and the way they can really embed in our brains. And I I uncovered that new genetic research suggests that some of these limiting beliefs could be hereditary, Ron. There was a study that was done in Atlanta that found that mice who associated an electric shock with a scent of cherry blossoms became so sensitive to the smell that they passed their fear along to their next generation. So baby mice who never even experienced the electric shock feared the cherry blossom scent. So when we look at, you know, what the brain does with these kinds of limiting beliefs, 
a lot of the stuff just might be hereditary. It might not even be our own. And I think once we sit down and we realize that the world doesn't really care if we're an expert, they just are interested in the story we have to tell. Then we can set that limiting belief aside. So that's imposter syndrome. That's one of the ones that, that I've, I've worked with clients on. Another one is uh, breaking writing commitments. Yeah, I am so guilty of this. I calendar, I schedule time in my calendar when I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write and I'm going to do my thing. And then I break the commitment. And that has such a devastating effect on our brains when we do that. The first thing that happens is when I make this commitment to myself to do it, when I've broken that commitment so many times, my brain knows the moment I make a new commitment that I might not keep it. And so my brain registers an emotional conflict and that suppresses the production of feel-good dopamine. So the next thing my, my brain does to try to get over that is react as if I've been lied to or I've been deceitful, which triggers guilt and fear. So now I've got, I'm not keeping the commitment. And now my brain is feeling guilty about not keeping the commitment. And so the brain keeps reinforcing the reasons for breaking my commitment. And that activates the reward areas. So in other words, in order to combat the negative feeling, my brain actually rewards itself for my unproductive behavior of breaking a commitment to myself. Is that insane or what? Wow. Yeah. So if we, you know, if we get into a pattern of consistently making and breaking promises to yourself, it does have a cumulative effect and it spirals downwards. So that spiral needs to be broken. And I have in, in my little ebook, I've got five steps on how to break that that cycle, that cycle of I'm going to make a commitment. My brain knows that that commitment's going to be broken. So my brain sets itself up to break that commitment in order to keep the rewards going, right? That whole bad cycle. I want to get off that treadmill. So here's kind of five steps that I outline in, in my ebook. Um, the first is to acknowledge that I broke the commitment to myself and forgive myself for it. Now, I know that may sound real silly and simple and woo-woo, but if we don't acknowledge it and we don't get off that guilt cycle, then it's just going to keep perpetuating. The second thing is to contemplate the impact that letting myself down really has on me. And when I stop to think that it's not just kind of a, oh, I'll go for a walk instead of writing, that it really has some long-term effects on my brain chemistry, then that gives me more incentive to get off that bad treadmill. The third step is to acknowledge the impact that dropping the ball has on others. So did I make a writing commitment to a writing group about having a piece to share and I don't have it? Was I late for an editor? Was I working with an accountability partner that I let down? Because not acknowledging that I may have let down somebody else, boy, that really heaps on the guilt. Right. And then that just keeps that cycle going and going and going. So it's important to acknowledge the impact that that I'm having when I drop the ball, when I when I don't keep my commitment to myself, the impact that it might have on other people. And the fourth step is to be more mindful when I'm creating a new promise. So instead of forcing myself to sit down and write for two hours every day and putting that in my calendar and letting myself down every day and not doing those two hours, a good step is to scale back the two hours 
maybe I only put 20 minutes down in my calendar. And that's something that's more achievable for me to keep. I mean, we've all heard the saying that the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time, right? So if you put down smaller periods of time or to commit to writing just three days a week rather than five days a week, something that um, is a new promise that doesn't set my brain up into that track of, oh, here comes this old promise that she's not going to keep, so I'm going to make sure she doesn't keep it so I feel better about myself, little brain, right? Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like, it sounds like for people that, uh, as a comparable, people that play the piano and they think, oh, you know, I've been trained that playing the piano, I have to go practice and practice is a bad thing. So, you know, if I have to go practice for an hour or two every day, it's a lot easier for people to think of it as just doing the joy of it, which is to play an instrument. So, you know, even if you say, just go, don't, don't rehearse, don't practice, just go play. And they'll play for just maybe five, 10, 20 minutes, something, but they do it consistently, but doing it in smaller chunks, and then it's actually much more enjoyable. Mm -hmm, exactly. So the fifth step I have in my book for how to get off this particular treadmill is to remove any blocks to fulfilling the commitment that may be there unconsciously or subconsciously. So I do that through um, a number of different things. I use EFT tapping. I use guided meditation. Um, I have a, a number of different things that I outline in my book that are kind of woo-woo, but you know what? They work. They get me writing. So uh, I believe in them and I wanted to share them with people. But to be able to uncover whatever those underlying beliefs are can, and, and, dis and dissipate it can be huge for really making a big difference. I had another question for you on, uh, obviously, the ideal for being able to write is people can write anywhere. And you're obviously now sitting there in London. You also have another book out on probably the very good mechanism that's been able to keep you moving around the planet so readily available. And, and that has an impact for people that would like to write as well. And I know the pandemic has changed everything because it appears nobody is going anywhere. But what about that idea of how you've been able to travel so much and, and obviously what's brought you to London now and the other book that you have? Tell us about house sitting and how you've kind of ended up where you are and some of those tricks and tips. Sure. Thank you. So I've written a book called How to Become a House Sitter, Insider Tips from the House Sit Diva, and it's available at Softcover um, and Kindle on Amazon or on my other website as an ebook, housesitdiva.com. And uh, yes, I'm, a, I'm an international house sitter. I live in other people's homes and take care of their pets while they go away on holiday. And I think um, house sitting can be a really great way to kind of create your own writer's retreat. You know, it's important to look at what the requirements are of the house sit to make sure that it's not taking up all your time. But it's a, um, one of the tips in my jumpstart book that I talk about is to get yourself out of your comfort zone, to get into a place where there's new routines and fewer daily distractions so that you can trick your brain into realizing that it's a whole new world out there. And sometimes that can really make a huge difference with the discipline that's involved with writing and being able to do that. So house sitting, I think, is a great way to create a writer's retreat and provide that space and that reward to the brain, if you will, for getting some writing projects done. So the book is called How to Become a House Sitter, Insider Tips from the House Sit Diva, um, available on Amazon or my website at housesitdiva.com. 
And uh, as a writer, you've certainly had blocks too, haven't you? Writing my own book, yeah, I've encountered my own writing blocks. And that's one of the things that kind of spurred me into looking at what the brain science is and how to circumvent all of those different negative messages that we tell each other, that we tell ourselves. One of the things that I hear a lot from writers is that they just procrastinate. And I can definitely relate to that. I'm kind of a master procrastinator myself. And the thing about procrastination is it's, it's, like, it's like the other one that I was talking about with breaking writing commitments to yourself. Procrastination is one of these emotions that we feel and then we feel guilty about it. So it's, 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 a, it's a double whammy. You know, and, and we, a lot of people think that they're a procrastinator. And it's like this major character flaw or it's, it's an inability to organize time. Um, and it just gets the emotions, just the self-doubt, the insecurity, the guilt just gets layered right on that. But I think it's important to step back from that and take a look at procrastination in a different way, that it's an emotion regulation problem. It's not a time management problem. So procrastination is an emotion. And if we can examine the emotions and come up with what's going on underneath the procrastination, whether it's, I'm not smart enough, I don't write well enough, I'm not disciplined enough, who would listen to me, right, imposter syndrome. And, and if we can uncover that and get rid of that emotion, then that clears the procrastination out of the way. And it makes us excited about working on our projects, right? Because we want, like you said before about the piano playing, we want to enjoy it. We want to have it be fun. And I think that's removing some of these blocks is a way to make our writing fun for us. So what I always tell my clients is to start, you know, forgiving yourself for procrastinating in the past. It's when we can get the judgments out of the way, we're far more likely to be able to get at what the, the problem is at hand, whatever that emotional issue is that's going on that's keeping us from sitting, you know, putting button chair and pen to paper. And then we can, we can just, the procrastination goes away, right? Sounds like a great idea. And then, you know, hopefully when the pandemic changes and the virus isn't an issue and people can start moving around, it's an interesting thing. People can look at the benefits of house sitting to travel if they want to as a writer, liberating themselves as a writer. They can find, I guess, various little excerpts of publishing gigs, which might actually kind of help pay for their moving around the globe. I know a lot of people are talking about, gee, depending upon the outcome, I'm going to leave the country. And who knows, for some, when they really get into those creative juices, writing can be the trick and, and possibly even getting started in other locations around the globe, house sitting could be a doorway for them as a combination. Yes, uh, it's, been, it's been really great for me. One of the other tips that I'd like to share today that's, um, that's unbelievably helpful is to get an accountability partner. According to a study by the American Society of Training and Development, you have a 65% chance of completing a, a goal if you commit to someone, but that percentage of success leaps to 95% if you have a specific accountability appointment with a person. Isn't that remarkable? Well, I guess maybe that's, uh, they're right there is good validation for getting into a long-term relationship. Ah, <laughs> as long as your accountability partner is helping you move forward. The reason, why, <laughs> the reason why that's so important is that our brains want to please the other person that we've made the commitment to. So reciprocity here is the, is the motivator that's going on. 
So if there's a way that we can set our writing up so that we have a specific accountability appointment, whether it's you know a weekly Zoom call or uh, a meeting face-to-face, if that's possible, that's a technique that is hugely successful for writers who are having trouble getting moving forward and getting started. And that's one of the reasons why coaches work so well is because coaches will set up specific appointments and you have assignments that you want to complete before that meeting with a coach. So that's one of the ways that I work with some of my clients who are having trouble keeping the, the books moving forward is we set up regular accountability meetings and it's, uh, that would be in your author coaching that you also provide for people, right? That's right. Right. Yeah. And so it could be a coach like me, but accountability partners can be friends, peers, um, uh, virtual acquaintances. I've done a part, um, accountability things with people that I met on Facebook that I've never even met face to face. And that's helped me move things forward. That's one of my big takeaway tips that I give people because it's very, very successful at helping people moving their books forward, moving their projects forward creating that momentum. That's fantastic. Well, we've certainly been able to hear how you can be of value to a a lot of writers, whether they're seasoned veterans or just setting setting their course. Kelly Hayes Raid, folks, and you can look for her book, Jumpstart My Book, Practical Tips for Harnessing Cutting-Edge Brain Science to Beat Your Writing Blocks and Uncover Your Creativity. Again, available as an ebook on her website, which is jumpstartmybook.org forward slash blog. And I want to make note of her other really great little book, How to Become a House Sitter, uh, Insider Tips from the House Sit Diva, which is paperback available on Amazon and also through uh, Kindle and as an ebook as well. Certainly, you're welcome to reach out to Kelly as well if you want to talk with her about her own tips and insiders and some coaching as well for you. Kelly, thanks for joining us today. I know you're about eight hours ahead, but you know, on Global Johnson, whatever, we'll look forward to plugging in with you again in the not too distant future. Oh, thank you, Ron. I appreciate it. Right on. And thanks everybody for joining us today right here on the Writer's Block. <laughs>